Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. We're going to get into the, the Word of God today. And um, we, we started a, a series a, a few weeks ago called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. And we've been talking about the seven parables of the kingdom, right? And we talked about how when God began to, to share these in, in, in Mark chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 13, how there, there was a shift in, in his language. There was a, a shift in, in the way that God would, would communicate to his people. And, and he began to, to really bring insight to the, the reason and purpose for why he had come, right? And, and so a couple of weeks ago, the week before Easter, we started uh, talking about the parable of the sower, right? And I, I mentioned that the parable of the sower can also be called the parable of the soils. And, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, we got into the first part. So this is actually part two of, of part one, what we didn't get a chance to, to, to finish. And so the, the Bible... It, it, or Jesus in this parable, he begins to illustrate to us the, the purpose and the process of the word of God. And, and in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all of the other parables, right? And I know, Pastor, but you kind of went backwards, right? You started talking about the other parables, and this is actually the, the first one. And, and so here Jesus identifies that this parable is a key that unlocks the meaning or the understanding of all of the other parables. So as, as we get into this parable, it's going kind of, to kind of connect all of those gaps and those dots that, that we didn't connect in the other, the other teachings, the other parables, right? And, and so embedded within the context of this parable is an illustration of the purpose and the nature of the word of God. Now, when we look at, at the Greek language, the New Testament was written in, in, in Greek or, or Aramaic. But when we look in the Greek language, there are a couple of words in the Greek language that mean word, right? In, in Spanish or English, we just have word, right? Word and palabra in, in Spanish. But when you see it in the Greek, there are two distinct words. One is logos, which means the written word. And the other one is rhema, which means the, the spoken word. So in the Greek language, when they would write, they would actually either write logos, which meant a, a written word, or rhema, which meant a, a spoken word. And as a, a prophetic church, a church that values the, the, the gift of prophecy and, and, and the prophetic word, right? We value the voice of God. Now, there are some churches and some denominations that think that just because we have the complete canon or, or the scriptures, that God has all of a sudden gone mute, like God doesn't talk anymore, like God, God has said everything that he would ever want to say, but that's not the God that I see in scripture, 
right? And I know when we use words like, like prophecy and prophet and prophetic that people kind of get all weird out because unfortunately you hadn't had a clear understanding of scripture. But if you look at God from Genesis to Revelation, God is a talker, right? God is like that best friend that never shuts up, right? That just talks and don't look to your left or right, right? Some of you are looking at your wife, you know, at your husband, right? <laughs> at your, your BFF, right? But God is a communicator. God is, is always communicating. When you look at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God was communicating. In fact, you know, God, the Bible says that God would come, come down in the cool of the day and, and, and he would commune with Adam and Eve and he would, he would talk with them and, and fellowship. And then we see that God would, would, would speak through, through the prophets, right? And he would speak through, through writings. And, and, and so when, when I look at the God of the scripture, God is, is a talker. God is, is a communicator. And, and we don't believe that all of a sudden, just because God has written uh, or, or inspired the, the scriptures that, that he stopped talking or he stopped Stop communicating, right? But but we are a church, so we are a church that values the rhema or the voice of God, the, the rhema word of God, but our value for the voice of God must be proportionate to our value of the word of God, the, the logos or the written word. And that's why a lot of people get all freaked out because they, they, either, they either go too far to the left or too far to the right. They either you know, overvalue the, the, the rhema word or overvalue the logos word, but it is the rhema and the logos that, that come together that, that bring life. And I don't know if you remember how we talked about a couple of weeks ago that when we look at Genesis 1, 26 to 28, right? The Bible says, let us make man in our own image and likeness, right? And then let them rule or let them let them govern, right? And and, and go, govern. And the Bible goes on to, to give us a, a list of what we're to govern. We're, we're supposed to govern over the earth, the seas, and every living. And, and the Bible says even the creepy things. So you get, you know, I'm not not creepy people, but creepy things, right? We don't get to govern over the creepy people. But then it says to be fruitful and multiply. So when I look at that scripture, Genesis 1, 26 through 28, if you don't know it, believe me, it's in there. The first thing that God gives us is ability, right? Ability. He makes us in his image and likeness. Dr. Miles Monroe, one of my favorite authors, says that that means that we were created to function like God, right? We were to created to function like God. The second thing he gave us was authority. So the first thing he gave us was ability. The second thing he gave us was authority. And the third thing he did was give us homework. He gave us assignment, right? To, to, to be fruitful and multiply. And you know, us Latino Hispanic, we took that literally, right? We, we're like, oh God, we got this. We'll, we'll, we'll do this, right? So um, we, 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 we take that, right? So ability, authority, and then an assignment, right? He, he gives us all of these things. But when we look at, at the, the ability that we were created to function like God. Now, don't, don't misquote me. Don't take my words out of context. We are not gods. We are not little gods. We are created like God. We are created to function like God. And, and when you look at, at the, the creation narrative, how did God create the world? He spoke it, right? He said, 
He said, let there be light, right? He spoke it, right? He, he spoke the word of God. It doesn't say that he thought it, right? It doesn't say that he thought it. He spoke it. See, the way that we, we manifest our authority is through our voice. That's why I, I tell you that, that you, you have to know the word of God, right? You, you have to, but it's not just enough to know it. You've got to be able to speak it because when you speak, it, that's when the word becomes powerful and it becomes active like a two-edged sword, right? You can't just think a praise, you have to sing a praise. You have to you have to speak a praise. You can't you can't just think good thoughts about God, right? See, the enemy's not afraid of your thoughts, but he's afraid of your words. He's not afraid of your thoughts. You can't think the enemy away, right? But you can speak the enemy away when you speak the word. That's why the Bible says, the Bible says to call those things that aren't as though they are. It doesn't say think those things that aren't as though they are. It says to call, which means to speak or to declare, right? So when, when, because God gave us authority and the ability to function like him, you've got to understand that your words have power. That's why you have to be careful what you say. See, some of you spend so much time speaking and complaining about your husband that you're actually making him what you're calling him to be because your words have power. He's such a bozo. He's a good for nothing. You never change. You this. And all you're doing is you're creating your reality. Some of you spend so much time talking about your wife and, and speaking negatively. Some speak negative about your sons and your daughters, your children, your grandchildren, not realizing that because the way God created you to function, that when you begin to speak, whatever you release, you, you actually create that in your life. You create that, that reality. And, 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 and I'm, I'm talking about this, the, the, this new age type of belief that you just think good thoughts and whatever you speak is just going to come to you. No, I'm, I'm giving you the biblical context of our authority, right? And, and that's why it's so important that you have the word of God in your life and in your heart because when you have the word of God and you begin to speak and release the word of God, it, it has power, right? It, it has authority behind it. It has, it, it has unction behind it. So, you know, when, when you have the word of God in your heart and in your mind, it's like having a bullet in the clip or the chamber. It doesn't do you any good until that bullet is released from the chamber, until that bullet is released from the clip. The moment you pull the trigger and the, and the bullet comes out, that's when the gun has power, right? And that's the way it is the way with the word of God. And that's why we value the word of God here because when you come to church and we begin to share and speak and teach the word of God, all I'm doing is I'm packing your clip. I'm getting you locked and loaded so that when you walk out on Monday morning and the devil's there to attack you, he's attacking your home, he's attacking your marriage, he's attacking your family, he's attacking your children. You've got what you need to be able to make the devil flee. Are you with me? 
So, so as a prophetic church, we value the voice of God, the rhema, but we also value the scriptures, the logos, right? And, and when you value the voice of God, it has to be directly proportionate to the value of the word of God, right? The written word. See, if we value the voice of God over the scriptures, then that's when we become derailed. That's when, when things start happening that, that aren't in the word of God. That is when people go into deception. And that's why a lot of people get all weirded out and freaked out when we start using words like prophecy and prophetic and, and word of God, word of wisdom and word of knowledge because the, because the lack of understanding of the written word, it, it opens you up to, to, to be manipulated by that. So you've got to understand that God's spoken word, anything that we preach or anything that we prophesy will never contradict God's written word. See, God's word, the written word, the, the scriptures, the Bible is the framework. It's the context to whatever, to whatever and anything that God would ever speak or say. If it doesn't line up with scripture, then it's not from God. Right? Let me tell you right now, you will never get a word from God to tell you to divorce your husband. That's not, it, it sounds funny and ridiculous, but people have abused it. Like, I got a word from God, I got to divorce this bozo, right? That, that's not God, right? God will never contradict his word right so at access church we give ourselves to the to the study of, of scriptures but we also leave ourselves open for god to speak to us because it is when god speaks to us that things come alive and and so when we look at all of this within the context of the parable of the sower, and I know we haven't even read it yet, but, but hopefully at some point you, you've heard it because the Bible says, you know, there was seed in the ground and some was on the thorny, some was on the rocky, and some was on the fertile, right? What you've got to understand is that the word of God is a seed. That's the way God talks about. Remember when we did the series on the kingdom, the, the pictures of, and patterns of the kingdom, and we talked about Genesis 8:26, Genesis 8:22, which are the natural laws that God put in place to govern the earth. But for every natural law, there is an equal or parallel spiritual law. And one of the first laws that we see in the natural is the law of seed time and harvest, which is the spiritual law of process. Everything that God will do in your life, he is going to do through a process. And we see that throughout scripture. Creation was a process, right? The Bible says that, G that God took six days to create everything, right? Don't you think that God could have done it like just like that? Like, you know, like invented a word that means to create everything and he could have just said it. It could all happen. But what was he doing? He was establishing a pattern. He was establishing a, a, a model that everything that God would do in the context of this life and in this earth will come through a process, right? When we talked about the, the process, we talked about the law of the seed, right? Anything that is alive on this earth has come through what? A seed, right? A seed. So that is what the word of God is. So the word of God is a seed and the field, right, or is the world, right? But the soil is the heart. 
So when we look at the parable of the sower, and, and like I said, I know we haven't read it, but we're going to get into it. But you've got to understand that the word of God is seed. See, when God speaks to you a promise, when God speaks to you about something, he, it's, it's a seed that he's implanting in the soil of your heart, right? Now, fertile soil receives a word deeply, and then the Spirit of God will bring about the change that needs to happen. Look at what, what Paul writes in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It says, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. So Paul says you accepted what we said as the very word of God. So Paul is talking to the church of Thessalonica. He's saying that when I preached the word, I spoke the word, I gave, I gave you the rhema word, you received it as the very word of God, which it is, right? Now, I, I want you to, to, to be careful, right? Anything I ever say from this pulpit or anything anyone ever says from this pulpit I don't want you just to receive it. I want you to compare it to the word of God. And if you ever see anything that I say that doesn't line up with the word of God, man, I invite you, let's have a conversation about it. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, right? And, but also be careful with what you hear when you listen to Facebook preachers and YouTube preachers, because let me tell you, there's a lot of things that they say that sound very catchy, but they're not very biblical. For instance, there's a, a great preacher. He pastors an amazing, amazing church in Dallas, Texas, like 30 or 40,000 people. And, and if I said his name, most of you I would know. But he had a, a title of a message called The Burden of the Blessing, right? And, and it sounds very cool and catchy, you know, be and be and burden and blessing, right? He talked about the burden. But when I look at the context of Scripture, the Scripture says that the blessing of the Lord make it rich, but it has no sorrow. So how can the blessing of God be a burden? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? That we have to look at the context of Scripture. So anything that we ever say, it always has to line up with the written word of God. So Paul says, you accepted what we said as the very word of God. That said means the spoken word. Then he uses the phrase, and this word continues to work in you. Now, the Greek word for work is energeo, which means to operate or to put forth power. We get our English word energy from the Greek word energeo. So what Paul is saying is that this word, that when you receive the preaching of the word, when you receive the rhema word of God, there is a power that is imbued and embedded within that word that, that goes to work, that, that begins to operate, that begins to sift and to shift and, and begins to, to function. There, there is something. Why do you think the devil makes it so hard for you to come to church? Have you ever noticed like every Sunday it's almost a battle, right? It's like you have to fight to get to church. Most of you fight on your way to church. Or is that just me and Pastor Sandra, right? Right? And we're usually fighting because one of us is on time and the other one isn't, right? 
I'm not going to say which one is which, okay? But, but right, it, it almost, why? Because the devil understands that when you hear God's word and you receive it, that there is a power in that word and the devil doesn't want you to, to get that seed. He doesn't want you to, to, to have that, that word, right? So the word of God has the power of God imbued in it. And so when God speaks to you, it comes in a seed form, right? It comes in a seed form, bringing with it the very power of God to produce in you the fruitfulness he intended. So the word of God is the seed, but your heart is the soil, right? Mark, in Mark 4 and in Matthew 13 through the parable of the sower, Jesus uses an illustration to demonstrate to us the process and the purpose of the word of God being sown into our lives, right? I, I don't know much about gardening or, or horticulture or agriculture, but those of you who do know how to garden and, and, and plant and those things know that you can have the best seed, the best fertilizer, but if the soil is corrupted or contaminated, it doesn't matter how much you plant and how much you fertilize and how much you water, it still won't produce, right? You can, you can have the best seed, but if the soil doesn't have the nutrients that it needs, if it's not fertile then nothing's going to produce. You can water, you can pray, you can fast, but nothing is going to produce, right? But before we unlock this parable, there are a couple principles that we need to understand. We're going to recap from two, uh, uh, two weeks ago. Hebrews chapter 5, 12 through 14 says, You have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things of God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So this passage of scripture right here, the author tells us that the word of God carries out three different assignments, right? And the first thing the author talks about is the milk of God's word, right? The milk of God's word. The milk of God's word is the word that comforts, right? It, it comforts, right? It, it, it soothes, it, 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 it encourages, right? But the author also says that those that rely on a diet of just being comforted and encouraged are also babies, right? They're also babies. He's, he's saying, you know what? Some of you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word because you are like babies who need milk and cannot process or digest or assimilate food. And, and there are, are, are churches that are packed today with 20, 30, 40,000 members that the people go to that church because the pastor knows how to encourage Right? And, and, and anytime you know, say, oh, I don't want to go to that church, that pastor preaches hate or he, he yells a lot. Or... But we can't just live off a diet of, of milk. And, and we talked about how Micah were trying to wean him off of the bottle, 
right? We're trying to wean him off the bottle. Why? Because he can't live on milk. If he's going to walk in the fullness of, of his purpose, of his life and his calling, he can't just live on milk. But there's sometimes that Micah doesn't want to be fed and we're trying to feed him solid food because it takes work. You know, you got to stick it in his mouth and he'll put it on his head and his ear, right? And to finally get into his mouth and he has to chew it and then swallow it. At some point he gets tired and he starts doing this. This is his, his sign language for leche, for milk. He, wants, he just wants the bottle. Why does he want the bottle? Because it's easy. It's easy to digest. It's easy. It's easy. Why don't you give babies solid food? Because their, 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 their bodies don't have what it needs to be able to digest solid food, right? So milk is easily digestible, the mother's milk or, or formula, right? And he just wants this. Now, if we would give in to his desire and just give him milk all the time, we'd have a big fat baby but with no muscle mass, with no motor skills, right? So as good parents, what do we have to do? We have to say, no, it's not time for bottle. It's time to eat, eat, right? And we're, we're teaching him, eat, eat. And we, we give him, and, and he wants the milk. And there's a reason why before he takes a nap or goes to bed, we give him the bottle with milk. Why? Because the milk comforts and soothes, right? So as a good pastor, I can't just give you the words that comfort and encourage. At some point, I've got to begin to function and give you also the meat of the word, right? So the author talks about the milk and the meat. The, meat, the milk comforts, but the meat confronts. Right? And see, that's where when you're spiritually immature and I begin to talk about your attitudes and your habits and you're sitting there thinking, Pastor must be trolling my Facebook again. That's the only reason why. How, how could he even know that? Or, or somebody told him and I can't believe he's talking about me. Right? It's not me. It's the spirit of God with the word the meat of the word, which the Bible calls the word of righteousness, is beginning to confront those attitudes and those habits and those behaviors. Because why? As a pastor, I can't just give you milk all the time. I've got to give you some meat. I've got to confront those things. And I, why, why, why do, I can't get ahead of myself. So the third assignment is the promise, right? Now, these are the words that the Lord deposits in us that describes our hope-filled future. These are the things that, that God wants to do in our life. If, if we walk in his word and we walk in his will and we walk in his ways, then God is going to bring these things out in your life. I said it last time. There are over 7,700 promises declared in scripture. What is possible for us if we walk in his word, we walk in his will, and we walk in his way. These are the things that we can expect. So we have the word that com comforts, right, which is the milk. We have the word that confronts, which is the meat. But then also we have the, the, the word that gives hope, which, is, which are the promises. But the author says that solid food is for those who are mature. Solid food is for those who are mature. Sometimes I've, I, and I've had people in here get up and literally walk out in the middle of my preaching. Do I get offended? No. 
I don't get offended. Why? Why did they walk out? Because they only want milk. They don't want the meat. Because meat confronts, right? Meat challenges. Meat, meat, the, the meat con, uh, convicts. Look at what, uh, uh, the, how the Amplified Bible translates it. It says, but solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained, or, or, are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. See, the premise of this verse is that your maturity as a believer is measured by your ability to train your own senses to recognize the difference between good and evil. You know, we, we get, uh, we still, Pastor Sandra and I still have an, a, a lot of opportunities to minister to young people. We still get invited to do youth conferences and we get to interact. And young people always want to know, and, and they always come, is it okay to do this or is it wrong to do this right they really don't want to know they're just looking for a justification to do what they want to do right is it wrong is it really wrong to do this is it really wrong right and 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 i tell people all the time because even adults come to me and they say pastor is it really right or is it really wrong or can i still get away with this what i, I tell people all the time i'm not your spiritual police I'm not your, your fa even during the fast, I get texted, Pastor, can I eat tortilla? <laughs> I'm not the fasting police. That's between you and God. What is the Holy Spirit telling you? And the whole reason you're asking is because you know you shouldn't eat it, but you're hoping that I'll give you permission to do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what you're really asking, Right? But the Bible is saying that as you grow and mature, you don't need somebody to tell you what's right and wrong. You have the ability to discern, you know what? I need to stay away from this. I, I need to act differently. I need to talk differently. And that's one of the things that, that why our church is, is very different. Because we don't go telling you, well, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Or it's wrong. And Christians shouldn't do this. Why? Because we're not the spiritual police. My job is to give you the meat of the word. The word of righteousness. The word that confronts. And when the word of God confronts you and then convicts you, the change comes about from within you. And now you're no longer changing to please me or to please other people in the church. Now you're changing to please him. That's the meat of the word. So he talks about this. But, but why is it so important that we get the word that confronts, right? Why, why is it so important? Look at what, what James chapter 1 verse 21 says. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls so James is an apostle of Jesus right but James was also the pastor right can you imagine me as a pastor stand up here and say so get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives right but that's, a, that's what a pastor does, right? He's, he's not just encouraging the people. He's giving them the meat of the word. But, but see, when, when God confronts and God convicts, it's for a purpose. Because look at what he says. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted where? In your heart. 
for it has the power to save your soul. So James is talking about, about the heart condition, right? So let's go to Proverbs 4.23. What does Proverbs 4.23 say? Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance um, above all that you guard, for out of it flows the spring of life, right? The, the King James says to guard your heart above else for out it flows the issues of life. See, see what you've got to realize, the reason that you need the word of God, the heart is the soil. Depending on the fertileness of your soil will determine what the word of God produces in your heart. That is why we can all attend the same church, we can all sing the same worship songs, we can all hear the same preaching, but we get a different result. Why? Because when the soil of your heart is corrupted and contaminated, it can't produce what God needs to produce in it. So why is, why, why is the, 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 the sage, the, the writer of Proverbs saying, you know what, you've got to guard your heart. That word keep means to preserve and protect. It means to keep it pure. Why? Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. Things are produced out of your life. And so when you tie that into James, James says you need the word that confronts. You need the word that convicts. Why? Because I need to remove all the contempt and all of all of those things that, that are in your heart, all, all those things that, that are corrupting your heart so that when you receive the word of God, it can do the work that it needs to do. See, the ability is in the seed. It is in the word of God. The life is not is in the word, but it's not in the soil, right? But the soil creates the condition or the environment for the energy or the power of God's word to produce in your life. So that's why you need the meat that confronts. That's why we, we need to, to speak the words of righteousness and begin to, to talk about those habits and, and those attitudes and, and those behaviors in your life because God's saying, I need to uproot all of the evil and the filthiness, all of those things that, 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 that will corrupt and contaminate the soil of your heart so that when the word of God is planted within your heart, it will be able to produce what God wants to produce in your life. Above all else, guard your heart. See, some of us, our hearts are contaminated with unforgiveness because people deceived us, failed us, broke our hearts, turned their back on us. Some of us, are, our, 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 our hearts are contaminated with, with bitterness or resentment for failures or even our own mistakes. And God is saying, I need to give you the, the meat that confronts so that I can get all of those things out of your heart so that when I deposit the word of power, the seed of power, your heart has the fertileness, your heart has what it needs to be able to produce what God wants to produce in your life, to, to protect your heart. That's why you got to stay away from toxic people. You got to stay away from people that, that just live from drama to drama and crisis to crisis and always just bring that. You've got to guard your heart. 
You, you, you've got you've to protect your heart. You've got to. Why? Because the Bible says out of it produces your life. It, it, the, the, it, it produces everything that God wants to produce in your life. Comes to the seed of his word. It gets planted in the soil of your heart. And if your heart, your heart is corrupted and contaminated, it will not be able to produce what God wants to produce. So the soil creates the condition or the environment, but the energy or power of God is in what he said. The power of God takes root in you to demonstrate who God is, and it's always about him. So James says, right, humbly accept, right? He's talking about the, the, the heart condition, and it says, it says, humbly accept the word of God as planted in your heart, for it has the power to save your soul. See, right away we go to salvation, right? We, we, we go to Calvary, we go to the cross. But that word save is the Greek word sozo, which not only means to save, but also to preserve. So the word of God that is spoken to your life whether you, you hear it through preaching, through a podcast, through the reading of the word, does, does two things. It uproots all of the evilness in your life, but it also protects your heart. It preserves your heart, right? That's what the word of God does. It, it, it protects, right? And, and that word save is, is to preserve. So when we look at the scripture, we, we see that there are three dimensions, right? You were saved at the point you asked Jesus into your heart, you are also being saved, and one day you will be saved, right? So there are three dimensions throughout the scripture, and Paul exhorts us to work out our, sa our salvation daily with fear and trembling, and we're talking about the daily. That is the right now process. That is the process that God is using the, the, the word, his word to, to uproot the, the evilness and the filth and the attitudes, but also to bring healing and to accept. See, that is the problem. When, when your heart is corrupted and contaminated, God deposits it seeds in your heart and now you're unable to discern is it God or is it not because you will process everything through the filter of your own experience and see it says when, when you, you save, it says you'll have the, the discernment, right? You'll have the, the discernment, right? To, to see what God is speaking. You'll, you'll be able to distinguish when God speaks. When you have the word of God, uproot all of the evilness, the filth, those attitudes, those behaviors in your life. And the word of God comes to transform you. Now you have a, a pure heart, and now you're able to distinguish what God is saying to your life. See, if you're one of those people that are always questioning, because God is always speaking, you, you need to know this, that God, you know, praying is not just about you talking to God, but praying is also God talking to you. 
right? And sometimes we, you know, we, we'd say, we're going to pray and all we do is talk to God. But, you know, nobody wants to be that person that you just talk to the person. You want, you want to allow them to talk back to you, right? You want to, that's a conversation. That's what, that's what prayer is, right? But see, God is always speaking and God is always, I was talking. So when, when, you, when your heart is pure and you're humbly accept God's word and the condition of your heart is clean, now you don't have to question, is this God or is it the enchiladas that I ate last night? Is that, the, is that God talking or the menudo talking from this morning, right? Is that the barbacoa, right? Or, or what is it? You're, 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 you're distinguishing between what is right and what is wrong, between what is God and what is not God. You know, we've had the opportunity, and I'm going to close with this, to, to speak very words that you have to know that it's God or not. And, and some of you in here have been recipients to some of the prophetic words that, that we have given. You're sitting there like, who told the pastor, right? I remember one time we were um, ministering in Guadalajara, Mexico, at a, a church that we had visited before. And this couple comes forward, and, and she's like about to pop. She looks like she's 10 months pregnant. And, and, and God, for whatever reason, God often reveals to me what they're going to have, what, baby, what a woman's going to have, a, a baby, you know. And, and, and so I'm praying, and I begin to speak about, and that boy, and that boy, and he's going to be a prophet to the nation, and he's gonna, God is going to use him. And I just started calling a boy, right? After service, they come up to me like, Pastor, you know how you were praying, and you kept saying a boy and a boy. Well, yesterday we were at the doctor, and it's a girl, right? But if I wouldn't be so sure in hearing God's voice, it would have been like, oh, man, God's bad, right? I, and I was like, I don't know what to tell you, but when I was praying, God showed me a boy. So I don't know if maybe you're going to have a boy after this one. But God told me you're going to have a boy. Well, not too long after that, she goes into labor. They bought all kinds of things for a girl. They picked out a girl's name. The doctor tells her to push. Says, hike. The baby comes out. All right. And the doctor's looking at the baby. He looks at them and looking at the baby. He says, um, you have a very healthy baby boy. Right? So later on, we go back to the church and say, Pastor, God was right. Right? Because God is never wrong. But understand that every time I give a word like that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm praying you know, that, that it is God, right? Because can you imagine if, if I would speak out of, out of turn and it, it didn't happen and, and, and that, but, and, you know, that, that, was, that, was, that was God. And, and, and you can speak bold things like that when the filter of your heart and the soil of your heart is pure because the Bible says that when you humbly accept God's word and your heart is pure, then you'll be able to distinguish and know the voice of God. See, God is always, sometimes God is telling you to give. I remember 
Another time, a few years ago, Sandra and I, we were driving to Torreon, Mexico to go visit a, a church that we planted and helped plant down there. And a couple years before that, I had met uh, through, a, through a, a mutual friend, uh, a missionary and his wife, they're from Canada, and they have a, a boys' home, but out of that boys' home, they also have a, a soccer club, and... and um, they, they, it's in a small town called San Pedro, Coahuila, and it's a, maybe about 45 minutes an hour from Torreon. And I'm driving all the way, you know, we're driving over there and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to get there. And all of a sudden, God says, you need to go visit that missionary and give him all the money you have. See, some of you have been lying, devil. The devil's a liar, right? You would have been like... I'm not going to fall for that one again, right? But because I knew that it was God's voice. And the crazy thing is that I didn't, I'd only been there once. I didn't know how to get there. And I said, God, if you really want me to get there, then you've got to guide me there. So instead of taking the, the turnpike or libramiento, I go straight into San Pedro. And then I said, oh, that looks familiar. And I turned left. And then I turned right and, you know, just drove until lo and behold, we got to the compound. I pull up to the missionary's house. My wife and I, we, we knock on the door. Granted, we had only met once. It was like two years before. I knock on the door. And I said, I'm Pastor Brian from, from, you know, from Texas. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, you know, we met. And, and, and she, oh, yeah, I remember. He says, the crazy thing happened. We're actually on our way to Torreon. But God said that I needed to come and give you all the money I have. There it is. She started to cry. She says, you're not going to believe this. But I just got off the phone with my husband. The bus that we have to transport the boys back and forth from school and to soccer practice, soccer games, he just called to tell me that it broke down and they need a certain amount of money to fix it and we don't have the money. But the amount of money you just gave me is the exact amount that my husband just told me that we needed. Why? Because I'm listening to the voice of God. I didn't have to sit there and debate, God, give me a dream. Is it really you, God, or is it the devil again? And there was times where we would be driving in Mexico. Some of you guys know our, our story. We were missionaries to Mexico for seven years, and we drove all over. And, and this was between, like, the years where there was the worst violence ever. And I'm like that typical guy, right, that... I don't enjoy the journey. I just want to get there. And if last time I made it in 12 hours, I want to make it in 11 and a half. So we stop at the Oxo. I tell Sandra, you better get down, use the restroom, buy whatever you're going to buy. By the time I'm done putting gas, you better get in the car because I'm going to leave without you. Because I'm going to beat my time, right? Because I'm trying to get there, right? And women, they want to, you know, they want to stop at all the little shops and they want to look around and, you know, and I'm about getting there. But during that time, I was so in tune with the word of God and the spirit of God that God would say, slow down. God would say, turn left. And I'm like, but the GPS says, turn right, God. God says, just turn left. And I'm turning left. And I was like, rerouting, rerouting, right? 
and I would turn right. Sometimes God would say, and Sandra began to notice that sometimes I would say, let's stop and look around for a little bit or let's stop and eat because I didn't want to stop and eat because I wanted to get there, right? Because that's how men are wired, most of us, right? And lo and behold, there were times where because we were delayed and we would stop and we'd pull up and there was an accident that would have happened at the same time if we would have kept on our way. See, that's why it's so important. That's why he says, guard your heart so that when God speaks to you, you're quick to listen, you're quick to receive it, and you're quick to understand. Because every time God speaks to you is to release power and grace and favor and blessing over your life. But if your heart's corrupted, he speaks and you doubt, you question, right? Titubeas, that's the Greek word for being skeptical, right? Just believe me, it's Greek. That's why he says, guard your heart, because out of it produces life. Out of it, I produce power and blessing and grace and favor. And all of those experiences that we have had, and I, and I could share with you things that, that God has said and that God has spoken, and understand that there's times where I'm like, God, are you sure I should say this? You want to hear a crazy one? So we get called, crazier than that, to go pray for this family. I had never met them before. Some friends of ours that go to our church in Del Rio, they said, we have some friends. We want you to come over and, 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 and just fellowship. But I already knew that there was something else. And so we showed up. We talked. We fellowship. We ate. It's your fault I'm fat, right? I'd be skinny if y'all wouldn't feed me so good all the time. But before we're about to leave, I just feel like I needed to pray. And so I'm praying. And I start praying and then the Holy Spirit says, start talking about not hearing things and seeing things move in the house. Grant, I never met this family before. And I'm praying and God says, you need, to start, you need to start rebuking voices and things moving in the house. I'm like, but God, we just met them. They're going to they're gonna realize that we're weird. And I want the menudo was good and I want to come back. Right? And I'm sitting there thinking, like, God, I can't say that. That's weird. Like, what are they going to think? And so I released the word. I said, God, and I come against voices and things that are moving in the house. And I kind of opened my eye, like. <laughs> and all you saw was we had never talked. We had never had a conversation but the reason we were there is because this lady was experiencing voices and things moving in the house. Y'all didn't know the devil's real and his demons are real too. And he does crazy things like that. That's weird, right? But I, because I was obedient to the spirit of God. And what happened? The fact that they didn't have to tell me gave confidence and faith that the God that we were serving and praying to was the God of all power, of all wisdom, and all knowledge. You want another weird one? Oh, Sandra already told you that time where God told me to slap this six foot four guy in Mexico. 
because he had a he had a bell palsy thing. He's like Robert, you know, small, scrawny little guy. And he comes up for prayer. I'm preaching in Merida, Yucatan, and his his face is twisted. And I'm praying for him, and God says, "You need to slap him." I'm like, "God, you slap him! See how big that you see that how big that boy is, right?" And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, so I do this. I said, in the name of Jesus. And I lay my hand on his cheek. And God said, I didn't tell you to touch his face. I told you to slap his face. So I do it again in the name. And I touch his face. Finally, I couldn't with it. And Sandra will tell you that she was like, just slap him already. Because God was showing her what I needed to do. And I said, okay. I said, well, where's the door so I can slap him and run, right? That's, that's why I don't wear dress shoes or suits to church because sometimes you got to run, right? So I hauled off and I slapped this dude in the face. Big boy. He falls down on the ground. I was like, hey, take that. All right. Everybody in the church was like, everybody except for the pastor. The pastor said, I'm about to get a prayer line. I'll line them all up for you, pastor. (laughs) I got a few of those I need you to pray for, right? So he's laying on the ground. Stays there for a while. When he gets up, his face was completely healed and whole. Could you imagine if I would have been like, is it God or not God, right? But because I was obedient to God's voice, God was able to do the miracle in his life. And it was not just a miracle for him. It was a miracle for all those that saw the power and the presence of God active in his life. That's the God that we serve. That's why James says, let's get rid of all the junk so that when God speaks to us, We're ready to walk. See, God someday is going to tell you, go up to somebody and tell them, hey, I love you. Or God loves you. Sometimes God will say, I don't know why he's telling me, but I need to give you this money. Right? I I need you to pray for that person. I need you to say this. I, I I need you to do this. So that you can be God's hands and feet and show his love and his power and his grace and his glory to this broken and hurting world. That's what Access Church is all about. That's what being a kingdom church is all about. Not just one who says it, but one who lives it and demonstrates the power and the glory of God. Will you stand? Next week, part two. Lord, I just love you and I thank you for your goodness and your mercies. Thank you for your grace and your favor. God, thank you for your word because your word produces life and power in us. God, uproot those things that need to be uprooted. God, God, we want to get rid of all bitterness, unforgiveness, depression, oppression, anything that would corrupt or contaminate the soil of our heart so that when we receive your word, it will produce life, health, blessing, grace, and favor, not only for us, but for all of those around us. God, we want to be living epistles 
God, we, we want to be living billboards and testimonies of who you are. That you are a God who is still alive. That you are a God who still heals, that still saves, still loves, and still delivers. And still mends broken hearts. That still restores marriages and families. Because that is who you are. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.